I mean, I can remember. I can remember as a as a as a kid because you're very you you very pretentious as, as as youngsters. The more I look back on myself, the more I think, you know, God, what a pretentious dick I am. <laughs> um, but that's part yeah. of that's part of trying to establish your identity. I think yeah. you can you, you know you're trying to kind of you're both trying you're caught in that trap, aren't you? Because you're both trying to stand out from the crowd, mm. but also trying to be part of the trying to be part of the tribe. So you want mm -hmm. to be part of a group. Um, so you can dress in a particular way to be, to identify yourself as part of the group, and and you kind of listen to the kind of music that your group is. You might, you know, support a particular football team or watch a particular TV to be part of the group. Because, as you know, as 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 you know, Plato and 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 Aristotle, Aristotle said, part of who we are as human beings is dependent on our, our on our social context and our socialising mm. and forming communities. But at the same time, we want to be different. You know, mm -hmm. I want to be me, yeah, but not too much me that people kind of point at me <laughs> in the street, you know. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I can I can remember I went through this phase of uh, of going to restaurants uh, mm. and ordering ordering a starter for dessert. So I'd go in and I'd have like you know something with <laughs> yeah. prawns or whatever because you know that's what you did in the seventies, something with prawns and garlic or whatever at the beginning of the meal, and then I'd have the main course, and then they come around and go anything for dessert, sir, and I would say yes, I would have some more garlic prawns, please, mm -hmm. uh, and I took great pleasure in people kind of looking at me, thinking, my God, how, <laughs> how have on guard this guy? <laughs> I am never going to forget this guy. <laughs> obviously, yeah. you know, obviously an ex an existence that stands out in the world. <laughs> Love it. Love oh, it. But, um, but there is there is um, another part in um, uh, Reggie Perrin uh, where he, uh, he he gets a successful business, mm. and he and then he's, I think he like you know he retires very early, and he's sitting there and he's drinking champagne uh, with his wife in a wonderful mm. place, and then then she says something like oh this is absolute bliss, and he says yeah it's just it's not enough is it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And maybe so that's we're never going to be. You're never yeah. going to be um, satisfied. Yes. We well, get this in 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 a lot of um, process thinkers. Um, I mean, you get this to, to an extent in Hegel, although I mean, there are other things. There are other things that might mitigate it because I mean, he does have a bit of an absolutist understanding of where we're destined. But nevertheless. Uh, you get this idea, you know, you get this quite attractive idea that we are in process. That a human being is not something you possess. You get this in Levinas mm. and some mm. of the some of the uh, some of the, the postmoderns, particularly. Um, that existence, human existence, is not a possession. It's not a. It's not something that you own. It's mm. something that is created through existence. Mm -hmm. um, so you know. So 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 you know. There's that again. That famous. Um, existentialist battle cry which is um existence precedes essence mm. um, because previous thinkers coming out of the greek tradition would say that essence precedes existence your your essence your soul who and what you are was determined mm. by your, your initial ingredients your essence of a thing mm. um and then everything you do is determined by that that core you know, you're, it's that that's what makes you what you are, and everything you do is kind of is 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 dependent on that. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas, as the existentialists, postmoderns, and so on, uh, and even and I think even you know Heidegger, uh, even Hegel to an extent, um, mm -hmm. possibly would turn that round and say, no, no, existence precedes essence. You don't. You're not an essence before you start living. You know, you're thrown mm -hmm. out on, as, as you were, you know you're kind of thrown out onto the street. 
uh, in that kind of in that kind of Heideggerian sense of of the kind of thrownness of being, and mm. then you start living your life, and as mm. you start living, you are building your existence, um, uh, and uh, and you know that gives you a certain I mean that gives you an incredible responsibility, but also an incredible power, because you are mm. not determined by some kind of celestial being or some kind of pre-existent um, state to determine who you are. You can't just turn around and just say, oh well, you know, this is the way I am. Because mm. you know, God's made me that way, or this is the way. I am. Um, mm. You can say, "Well, you know, this is the way I am today," uh, but tomorrow it could be something else. Tomorrow I could go and have ravioli. Tomorrow, yeah. you know, I could go and do something, and I can, and I can take control of my existence. But it gives you an incredible sense of responsibility because there's nowhere to hide with that. As a, you, you know, if you are not what you yeah. want to be, if you are not the human being you want to be, that's kind of your fault. <laughs> not yeah. so, but is also this thing uh, I've noticed. Well, I've kind of realised more recently. You, you, um, I don't really, I don't do the dualism. I don't really like the dualism idea because I feel mm. like we're just, you know, we're a thing. But going with the idea that we're, uh, you know, we're, we're piloting a meat machine, as you mm. say. <laughs> yeah. Um, our emotions can be. It feels like sometimes, out oh, today, my emotions are dictating, you know, dictating my my what I'm going to do mm. and how I'm going to behave. Um, beyond my control, my my meat machine is 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 you know taking over. I feel like that sometimes. Yeah, sounds like some, yeah, it sounds like some really dodgy legal defence, doesn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Terribly sorry, but my meat machine took over. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's like um, it's more abstract, you know. Yeah. Um, okay, I've, I've got some. You know, you have these ideas. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to do this, that, and that. I'm going to get loads of work done. I'm going to work on, mm. you know. Uh, I'm going to um, uh, edit this, uh, this this podcast at uh, this time, but tomorrow your feelings is different. Yeah, you know, and it, mm. oh, I don't feel like doing that, um, or I don't, I, and you don't get work done because your physical body mm. is dictated, is determining um, you. But you are your physical body. But it, um, mm. yeah, yeah. Sometimes I feel like that. Well, that yeah, I think that's probably where. Where things, you know, where, where the likes of dualism and so on collapse. I mean, people like Merle, uh, Morris Muller-Ponty, some of the kind of phenomenologists, um, mm. are really strong on this. Um, but they're saying, well, you know, we are kind of we. You can't compartmentalize what we are as human beings. You can't say, well, you know, through an act of reason, mm. or you know, and I can think about this and I can come to a decision. I mean, you know, Socrates and and Plato. Uh, had that kind of view that you know, if you thought about something and you came to a kind of conclusion about it, like what was right and proper to do, um, then as soon as it became clear to your consciousness, to your mind, that that was a, there was there will be no other there will be no other course of action because it was mm. kind of your or you are led by your consciousness. So you know you're really you know you, you think uh, oh you know should I do this or should I do that should I behave this way or that way you think about it you do the research you you know you contemplate the kind of you know philosophically and then once the lights come on and you think oh god I understand it there is no possible alternative you will always act on that linking it like uh, like mathematics you know like yeah yeah um, you know the the Mino isn't it uh, helping the slave boy get to the yeah the absolutely. Answer. There's no, yeah. there's no, you know. Whereas subsequent philosophers, even Aristotle to some extent, um, start to question that and just say, well, actually, um, just knowing that something is right doesn't actually mm. give you the will, doesn't give you, you know, the the, the, the ability to, to to follow it. So you might know what is right to do in a situation, uh, but you may still do the bad thing. 
I mean, you might know what's best for you in a situation, but you still might go in the opposite direction uh, and do yourself harm. Um, because we are not completely at the dictate of our will. And increasingly, as philosophy develops, and as our understanding of the human condition develops, and we understand the impact of our physicality far more, um, a lot of these things that the, 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 the dualists um, argued for start to look quite quaint. And it's mm. kind of, well, it's not, it's not that simple. Um, I mean, it's a, I mean, Aristotle does, you know, at least from an, an environmental, from a kind of contextual point of view, Aristotle, you know, as we've already said, is aware of the fact that um, we are determined by our surroundings and by our kind of our natural, our natural gifts or our natural qualities. So mm. he says it is not a level playing field. You know, some people will do really well in the world because they're just lucky. You know, they just yeah. happen to be seen as beautiful. They just happen to have an education. They just happen to have the physical abilities. And so that kind of gives them that ability. Um, and that's just, you know, that's just the luck of the draw in a sense. That's just how you... Um, but then, you, you know, you get people like, you know, you get people... It's very easy to be kind of, you know, um, elitist. As, a, mm. as an academic philosopher, uh, and you can, and, and I've got a lot. I've got a lot of time for the existentialists at, at one level, but it, it, you know, you've got this image of, of of the likes of kind of Sartre and so on, you know, sipping wine on the banks of the Seine, having mm. a bit of a chat with his buddies, and and so on, and just think, oh yeah, all you have to do, all you have to do, is just you know, take control of your life, make some choices, mm -hmm. make it, you know, make a difference to your life by deciding we're going to do this or, or not, not that today, and it's it's never as simple as that. No. And particularly as we start, as we understand, and again, I'm not an, an expert in this by any means, but you know, as we understand more about brain chemistry, mm. um, you know, sometimes our brain chemistry betrays us. Mm. Uh, and it's just, you know, I can't get up in the morning, and it's not because I don't choose to. I choose to get up in the morning, but my brain chemistry is such that it, my the physical machine just won't play ball. Um, mm -hmm. you know, or I'm hungry. Because I'm living in a culture where I'm starving uh, and there's no food and I can't earn a living, um, and there's no good telling me to ch kind of change my point of view and just mm -hmm. not feel hungry, you know. Yeah. Um, so I like the idea at one level mm. that we can change who and what we are um, by an act of will uh, and by by you know determining our own existence. And there is a level at which I think that's probably true. Um, but it's got to be mitigated by environmental and kind of biological factors that are mm -hmm. sometimes that are often beyond our control. You know, mm. we, you know, if you if you live in a fairly, you know, if you live in a fairly kind of a fairly uh, um, privileged context, um, and you know, neither you or I, to be fair, um, mm. are fabulously wealthy uh, mm. and and so on. But you know, nevertheless, I would say we live in a fairly privileged context. You know. Yeah. Uh, got, definitely got compared to other yeah, yeah. You know, other yeah. societies. Roof over our heads. We've got food in mm. our in our kitchens. You know, we get water that you know when we drink it, it doesn't give us the shits. Um, mm. We're doing we're doing okay uh, <laughs> in that respect, uh, and so we can have a podcast where we talk about the you know the, the great mm. the great issues, and we can talk about this sort of stuff. That's that's quite a nice thing. Uh, but yeah, if I had to kind of walk for twenty miles for water, and that's likely to kind of make me ill, mm. might make things a little different. Mm. So. Yeah, so I think you know. So I, th I think what it is to be human is is it is plastic. We can manipulate it, but there are but there are other forces that manipulate mm. our identity. It's not just us. And I think some of the, the the Greeks, certainly Plato, 
in that kind of in early had a, had a much more high-minded sort of idea. Oh, well, you can manipulate. You can you can create your own identities. You know, you can mm. be determined by your spirit. It's all kind of it's it's quite neat. Um, I think you know we understand the world in a much more complicated way now. Um, yeah, I, I do think there are um, some kind of uh, essential truths that I go with that I really mm. like. I, I really it's comforting. Mm. We all, uh, all humans have the you know the capacity for um, uh, a sense of morality and a sense of beauty and uh, and things that you know go beyond go beyond uh, um, reason and rationality as well uh, mm. as long along with reason and rationality all mm. these things that you know that philosophers uh, pointed out and argued over the centuries these are you know these are important things that make up human uh, humans. Mm. Uh, and um, well, at least, that. yeah, I mean, exactly. And at least anecdotally, there seems to be evidence to support that that mm. human beings do spend a lot of their time, um, you know, painting, making music, um, mm. you know, laying out gardens, just doing stuff that, on the face of it, doesn't seem to be necessary to our existence, to our survival. But clearly, mm. it is. It's not. It's not. Me- me- it's not mechanical. It's mm. not purely functional. Um, Mm. Uh, and that does kind of make you know that does make you think well perhaps you know what it means to be human does involve engagement with the aesthetic um and it does you know whatever that might be whatever we might mm. consider to be beautiful uh, mm. uh it, it may be up for grabs but the, mm. but we do have a kind of almost like a platonic notion of beauty um mm. there's there, you know there there is something that we would call beauty there is a concept that that we use which is you know uh, and we call it beautiful now we may mm. tag that onto all sorts of things that other people might not consider to be beautiful in the same way, but the the, uh, the notion of beauty is something that we can attribute to something in the world, whether it's a rose, or whether mm. it's you know, or whether you know, whether it's a rock, um, mm. or whether it's you know, a seascape, or whether it's you know, night sky. Um, mm. We can associate that with things. The fact that human beings can do that, I think, is quite an interesting thing. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, it's complex, isn't it? I mean, we haven't even got on to discussions about about kind of you know. Artificial intelligences, which is also yeah. kind of is, is, is a, a discussion segue into, and just you know um, the, the 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 significance or, or the importance of the meat machine. I mean, if, if you know if we could transfer, you know, we get to a particular point where we can transfer our minds and our, into into other into other bodies. If that yeah. is ever a thing, are we the same person? Could it be? You know, is that um, even? You know, would it ever be possible? Mm. Um, uh, that that that's that part of it is I think is so complicated and mm. complex. What is consciousness? Yes, no one's ever satis- you know satisfactorily given a definition of that. Mm. There's lots of words like that that um, you know uh, we, I've mentioned before. I'm fascinated with intuition. You know, these yes. things. What are they? We don't. Yes. There's no one can tell me. No, I mean I've not. I mean I, I'm not. You know I don't. I don't keep up with with current uh, current medical science, but. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I wonder whether, you know, whether we will ever, ever see an, an actual brain transplant. I mean, you see it a lot, you know, I mean, as I, you know, I've mentioned before in other podcasts, you know, watching a lot of uh, old gothic horror stuff mm. and, and brain transplants were kind of, you know, to a penny. Every, you know, every, uh, every doctor, you know, from, from, from Frankenstein uh, onwards was it into you know oh yeah brain transplant easy stuff you know um and if you if you move the brain from one body to another body which in a sense mm. seems fairly straightforward i mean you know it is a mechanical thing you're doing 
it's mm. I know it's very difficult because you've got so many connections to build to connect and all that sort of stuff um, but there's been a lot of sci-fi and a lot of horror where you know brains in jars brains in different bodies and so on um, in terms of in terms of, of thinking about it it seems to be a perfectly possible thing to take one physical object out of one thing and put mm. in another physical object and if you can connect it up yeah Who's in? Who, who's there now? Is it? The, is it you? Is it? The, is it? Is you know? Would it be Danny if we kind of you know transferred your brain into another body, maybe a clone body, for example, mm. or a donor body? Maybe somebody's kind of suffered some sort of brain death, um, put you into this other body, maybe a little bit more athletic, perhaps, Danny. You know, I don't know. Mm. Um, is that you? Uh, and it, to what extent does the thing, body start yeah. taking? Uh, what does, to what extent does that new body start to change your identity? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I was just thinking that because you've got to really push the idea. Try and get away from the idea that, you know, um, your mind is something that's software in a brain. Yeah. We, we're talk- yeah. We, we have to think like that because we have computers and we think mm. that we yep. are like computers. Mm. We are not like computers. We're different. Mm. And it's hard to push that through. So, you, like you said, if, you, if, you, it was, if it was actually possible to ch- um, a, transplant the brain, then... Your brain, that brain working with the new body, you'd probably have a new person, wouldn't you? You'd have a new, there'd be elements of that. Yeah, there'd be elements of the old person, but. I'm inclined, I'm I'm inclined to believe you. I mean, I don't, Mm. I mean, again, as you say, you know, whether your identity, your consciousness, all your kind of memories and experiences and everything that makes you, is just, is just reducible to what happens in the brain. Mm. is a huge question and i'm not equipped to discuss it yeah. but it's an interesting one um but mm. even if it were even if we were to say okay you know what you know all your memories everything you kind of you, you are your experiences your emotions all are in that kind of soft spongy thing that we call a brain now put it in mm. another body i mm. think you're absolutely right it's like moving house and as soon as you move mm. to a different place you know with different kind of environmental variables you know your habits change your routines change um you know new friends and so on. you stick yourself in a new body with different capabilities mm. say it's stronger or say it's weaker say it's more mm. athletic or say it's less athletic that's going mm. to determine you know the things you do mm. uh it's going to determine kind of the you know your, your sense of you know, your sense of 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 self-worth it's kind of well you know i used to be able to do this but i can't anymore or now i can do this and that's great i'm going to do more of that um so your body becomes you know and i think the you know the phenomenologists would be really into this you know just saying you know your your physical body um as much as we've you know we've had that kind of dualistic physical body is part of your identity and if you switch that i mean the chemicals that your body produces are going to make some difference to your your perspective and your and the way you engage with the world i'm guessing um mm. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, you see this a lot. I see you see this a lot in science fiction. I think if you were a brain in a jar, that would be a bit of a pisser, wouldn't it? Nobody wants to be a brain in a jar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they always yeah. go, they always go mad though. Brains in jars always go mad. Um, I imagine they would. I think you would, wouldn't you? Because it's kind yeah. of you know, oh, you know, you've got no. Uh, I mean, if you were lucky, the person who was doing the experiments would at least hook up some some you know your eyes and 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 some and, and some auditory kind of system so you could kind of see and hear and possibly have a speaker there so you could kind of express yourself but otherwise if you were just a brain in a jar i mean there'd be no data coming mm. in would there i mean that'd be a really worrying worrisome thing i think yeah it doesn't bear thinking about it doesn't like, really, a, like a hell a vision yeah of hell. it is it is mm. yeah yeah so that's why you know i mean all the brain movies i've ever seen the brains have always evil things you know, is they, there, they is end there up a, taking over people, you know, that sort of stuff. Isn't there a short story or something like um, 
I think maybe you showed me. I can't remember, but um, I don't. I, I need to scream, but I don't have a mouth. Oh yeah, I have. I oh, uh, I have no mouth, but I'm a screen. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a um, same guy that did. Um, oh, it's Harlan Ellison. It was Harlan Ellison. Right. Um, yeah, I have no mouth, but I'm a screen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 that's yeah. Do read that if you can. It's, I mean, it is you know about a computer that fight takes over the world and it's just making a small group of human beings suffer for you know the horrors that they've inflicted on machines and you know the the, the horror they've inflicted on the earth. Um, and it's just yeah, it's, it's I'm not going to spoil it for you because there's, there's not interesting stuff in that. But yeah. I would definitely okay. read that. That's a, that's a nice, cheery ending <laughs> <laughs> to this podcast. I know. Oh, gosh. Yeah.